TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Another week, another episode of Star Chat right here on 105.3 The Fan and across the 105.3 The Fan podcast network. I'm Ari Temkin along with Jared Sandler. You can always tweet us. I'm at Ari Sports. Jared is at Jared Sandler. And I mean, this week, Jared, it's a discussion on... How good is this football team? Yeah, I'm not letting the Cowboys off the hook here. Uh, I've heard some people try and in some ways justify this as a bad loss, but a bad loss to a good team and qualify it with this or qualify it to that or with that. If we want to believe that this is a, a team that isn't just a playoff team, but a team that can win games in the playoffs, this is a bad loss. Now, uh, every year, you know, like it seems like with the Patriots, they win the Super Bowl, and earlier that year, people are trying to write them off. So when I say what I'm about to say, that I'm in no way, shape, or form riding off the Cowboys as a team with the, the expectations that we've already set. But this game in a vacuum, this is a bad loss. You lost at home to a team that I've shared, I, I think is overrated. I, I, I think the, the Packers are, yes, they're four and one, but three of their four wins have come against awful quarterbacks. Uh, and this was the best the Packers played. Uh, you know, I've watched all five Packers games now in full, and this is by far and away the best game they've played. And I think sometimes when you, you know, you, you lose to a team, you say, well, they just played great, or a player plays great. Yes, credit to them, but usually you have a hand in their ability to play as well as they play. And I think that's the case with the Cowboys. A few things I just want to throw out there. First of all, I think we've got to very much consider that this defense isn't nearly as good as maybe we thought. They certainly aren't right now. Uh, second of all, Amari Cooper doesn't drop that interception on the opening drive. It's probably a totally different ball game because the Packers were playing from in front the whole game. And that allowed them to not have to rely on three below average receivers. Uh, and Jake Kumaro, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Geronimo Allison. Those are... Those three guys, Valdez, Scantling, more than the other two, are, are solid complementary receivers. But uh, without Devontae Adams, the Cowboys would have been in a huge position of favor if the Packers were forced to rely on those guys to make plays. Aaron Rodgers didn't have a single touchdown pass. And, yes, he didn't maybe need to because Aaron Jones was doing whatever he wanted. But I think it kind of feeds into the whole idea that Aaron Rodgers is a really good but no longer a an elite quarterback, and especially without Devontae Adams, his wubby, who wasn't available. So at the end of the day, the Cowboys lost at home to a team that was playing without its best offensive playmaker, and they did so in pretty decisive fashion. I know the Cowboys made it a game late, but let's uh, let's call a spade a spade. They lost by double digits, and probably only because the Packers got up by so much, they took their foot off the pedal, as NFL teams do, and the Cowboys got back in the game. So to me, uh, the defense has been really poor, uh, and that was a horrible performance, especially up front, and I didn't think the linebackers had a good game either. The offensive line uh, is having issues. Dak Prescott was under pressure the entire game, and the Cowboys just right now are not matching expectations with the performances we've seen against two 
quality teams the last two weeks. Yeah, I think it's fair to wonder how good this football team is after five games. I mean, I think it's fair that, that you know, we thought that they were really good and had turned a corner offensively after the first three games. And I think it's fair now to question, you know, how legitimate that is and if it was just sort of swayed by three very bad opponents. And not sure that that will change much on Sunday when they play the Jets. Obviously, the status of Sam Darnold will matter in that. But, look, I, I agree, Jared. Um, you know, I... I I think this game was lost for the Cowboys, their first four possessions, where they had two interceptions and Dak took two bad sacks. One of those sacks took them out of field goal range when they would have been in field goal range and come came away with points. They had they had good drives going that they completely stalled with two interceptions and then two bad sacks by Dak, the first four possessions. That's where this game was truly lost. The thing that bothers me about the reaction from this game, just kind of to echo your sentiment about how people are sort of justifying or or explaining away the game. So so a lot of people are pointing to, well, if Amari Cooper doesn't just drop the ball or if the, the right call is made in the field and a pass interference on Michael Gallup in that third pick. And those things might be true. But before the Cowboys acquired Amari Cooper, the knock on him was that he's inconsistent in terms of dropping the football. So you kind of live with that. And the outcome of interceptions based on that, because that's what Cooper does. As for the Gallup pass interference, like sure, that that could have been called, but that's kind of the way football goes. Like you could you could single out five or ten more plays in this game and say, well, if they didn't happen this way, the game's completely different. I mean, Kevin King dropped in a a probably pick six that was right in his hands. So to me, that's probably the most bothersome component of the reaction is, oh, just those, if those plays go a different way, the game's completely different. But it's like, yeah, I mean, if my aunt had an extra appendage, she'd be my uncle. But that's not the way the football goes. You can do that literally every game. I mean, if the Cowboys decided not to run so much against the Rams, especially in the second half, down two scores in the playoffs last year, they might have won that game too. Yeah. No, you're right. I, again, and, and, and I think we're on the same page here. This is just, this is not a good loss. Uh, and it's, it's maybe what the Cowboys need, uh, because, you know, you can, you can justify the Saints loss well, uh, on the road and blah, 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 even though, uh, you know, you lost to a team with a backup quarterback, albeit a, a better than normal backup quarterback. Right, but then but to back go come quarterback back, nonetheless, you're right. Yeah. And, you know, to, to come back at home against, again, man, I, I, I know that, and I get it. I understand people who haven't watched the Packers. I get why they think they're the big bad Green Bay Packers because A, they've got the reputation. B, they've got the quarterback in name and C, they were three and one entering the game. So all those things point towards, well, this is a really good football team. I promise you, if you, if you haven't watched the Packers and all you watched was the game on Sunday, go back and watch the other games and you'll see that they unequivocally played the best game they've played all year. And I do think it's concerning that it came against the Cowboys because when you're a really good team, you prevent that sort of thing. You know, we always talk, we always hear coaches and players talk about, well, if we do, if we do our thing, if we stick to our job, we execute our plan, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a lot of times that's cliche, like whatever garbage talk, but I do think what is true from that is that like I said, when a team plays their best game or plays a great game, yeah, they deserve credit. The Packers absolutely deserve credit for doing what they did. Uh, but the other team on the, on the short side of that, uh, deserves some blame for allowing the team to have that level of success. And I, I don't know, Ari, I, like I, I look at 
look at the Cowboys defensively. First of all, the Packers struggle when they get inside the three, you know, three to five yard line to punch it in because they don't have a power offensive line. They don't have an offensive line that is built to just maul you up front and uh, allow uh, short yardage type gains and those tough, you know, they're going to run situations. Uh, but that offensive line yesterday looked like the Cowboys offensive line back when DeMarco Murray had his breakout year in 2014 when they were just, you know, bullying people. And, uh, and, and so I, you know, I kind of wonder whenever you look at a unit and, and they're underwhelming, I think we like to look at things in extremes, right? Like you're either great or you're horrible. You know, there's no in between. Right. I just think that ultimately the linebackers this year, the performance from Leighton Vander Esch, just not as good as last year. No I think question. Leighton Vander Esch has been good, but he hasn't been as good. Jalen Smith has been uh, at least a step below what he was last year. The defensive line has not been nearly as good. It's not like all of a sudden this is a horrible defense, but this was a unit that, that we thought at times could help carry carry the load and that just hasn't been the case and then in the secondary i i want to go to that anthony brown pass interference call uh first of all dumb challenge by jason garrett because a by the letter of the law it was a pass interference even if i would sit here and say man i would have loved for that flag not to be thrown just because i don't know it, it was a little soft Pass interference right. calls aren't getting overturned. Stupid challenge. But I, I use that play as an example. Anthony Brown was in perfect position. Anthony Brown did a great job on that play other than the fact that he didn't turn his head. And I think, you know, I was talking to someone who was an NFL defensive back for a decade, and he said in those situations, you basically – that's what separates playmakers from non-playmakers. Playmakers don't have the fear to turn their head and be an athlete. Non-playmakers are so concerned about just doing the fundamental thing that they, they're not, they're not willing or able to just kind of get out of their lane, so to speak, to try and make a play. Mm -hmm. And I just think, unfortunately, the Cowboys in the secondary have a bunch of guys who, who do the right thing and fundamentally they're typically in the right place, but they don't have that ball hawking mentality. And then up front, we've talked about the lack of pressure on the quarterback. And there's a perfect dichotomy of that on Sunday because the Packers were all over Dak Prescott, even if there were some opportunities for Dak to maybe throw the ball away or, or get rid of the ball quicker. But Aaron Rodgers didn't really face those same challenges. Right. And, you know, it's funny. It's really funny how fans react because Garrett's been criticized for bad challenges before. And so he's complaining. Garrett was complaining. And so were, you know, Mickey Spagnuolo on the postgame show was kind of like, hey, if if you know, he's mad because now he doesn't have that third challenge to take on another pass interference that should have been called to Michael Gallup, and that's why he's upset. It's like, yeah, well, then maybe he shouldn't have wasted his first challenge on a horrible challenge in the first place. Then he still would have had that second challenge, so he wouldn't have had to worry about it. So, But it's funny the way people react because Garrett blew up a little bit, and so fans like that, and because of that, they're not sort of criticizing Garrett for wasting his first challenge on a bad challenge, to your point. And having it to be able to challenge that Michael Gallup pass interference that should have been called and wasn't. So it, it's funny because if, if Garrett doesn't blow up, fans are probably criticizing Garrett for not having for another bad challenge. But because he blew up, it's kind of like it's just funny how fans can react yeah. positively to stuff like that. I, and, and, and I'm a I'm a Garrett defender, and you know I don't think he's the greatest coach in the world or anything, but you know I do think that he probably does things that we don't see that are incredibly essential to this team's success. Agreed. Uh, Without a doubt, he does. Not probably, he does, for sure. Yes, yeah. And, and I think the fact that there have been all sorts of characters and crazy, 
stories, you know, whether it's Randy Gregory or Rolando McLean or Greg Hardy, uh, uh, yeah, Greg Hardy, David Irving, the, you know, Ezekiel Elliott contract stuff. I mean, I just think that these guys continue to march in line and go about things. And I, I think that a lot of that's a credit to Jason Garrett. Agreed. And when you hear players speak his language, uh, when you hear players speak a coach's language, that's an indication that they're buying it because these guys are, are too stubborn. We've seen it. They're too stubborn and too arrogant to just do that just because. But and this is random and and, and this I, I don't know I don't know what to look into this this is something like Gavin Dawson would probably be able to psychoanalyze not me I thought it was really weird Jason Garrett lost his you know what on the Amari Cooper uh, no catch turn to a catch because there are certain calls that are missed that are just plain to see but that was not an easy call to make like of all calls to just lose your your crap over. That was not one of them. That was a drag-the-toe play near the sideline. And in real time, that's not an easy call to make. I just – I don't know if there was other frustration. Obviously, I, I think it's kind of what you alluded to. Uh, they they showed the conversation with the, the officials. But that was just so out of character for Jason Garrett. And, right. and I don't know what all's going on. And maybe it's the frustration that they were getting their ass kicked or whatever. But uh, I just thought that was a little out of character. But I, I, I want to ask you something. Uh, so – one of the things that that stood out to me as a positive, and I don't know if you saw it this way, uh, one of the concerns when we had this conversation last week was whether or not the offense was going back to a conservative uh, right. type of, of feel. And, you know, maybe it was a fluke that through the first three weeks they were just, uh, you know, they looked like the – uh, the greatest show on turf, not not quite, but you know they were explosive right. and they were dynamic. And then against the Saints, it was the exact opposite. I do think a positive is that against a good passing defense, it did seem like the the Cowboys were able to have receivers run freely in the secondary beyond ten yards uh, from the line of scrimmage, and they didn't. You know the the you know the Amari Cooper play obviously didn't go their way, and a few other things kind of happened and sacks killed drives. Uh, plus all the penalties, but I do think a big positive is that this, you know, the week four appears to be more of the fluke than weeks one through three because they were doing the things that we saw them do in weeks one through three offensively. So I do think that was a positive. I'm not sure if you saw it that way. No, I agree completely. And, and look, going back to the Saints game, I think when you when you kind of reevaluate it, you see, oh well, the the Cowboys kept running because the numbers showed that they should keep running. You know that that they were essentially just bringing five or six, depending on what the offense looked like. And so the Cowboys on one-on-one matchups up front, they feel like with Zeke they're going to win, and that's why they called somebody runs because the Saints were able to beat them one-on-one in the trenches with Zeke Elliott running the football, and the Cowboys have never experienced that as long as Zeke Elliott's been there. So I think you know it's like, hey, when we get this sort of a look defensively, we're going to run the ball, and the Saints were like, okay, good, because we could stop without having to commit more to help. For the Packers game, I think you're absolutely right. We, we saw a lot of pre-snap motion. We saw, you know, a lot of the same offense that we had been seeing. I just think the difference is, and I don't want to keep vacillating on Dak Prescott, but uh, I mean, I think Dak is—he's got to finish those drives again. The first four drives of this game are where this game was lost. I mean, I know yeah. they made that valiant comeback, and but but you've lost the game when you're down 31 to three. You just don't win those games because of how much energy you expend in trying to get all the way back. It's just, it's rare. The game, once it's 31-3, it's over. And and getting there, the Cowboys just did not finish drives 
those four empty drives. And when you're going up against Aaron Rodgers, who wasn't great in the second half, to your point, he was, he was elite number one quarterback in the, in the NFL first half of that game. And the second half, we saw a lot of the same things that we've seen from him this year. He's missing guys. He's not, you know, he's, he's overthrowing. He's not getting the right reads. Second half Rodgers was that first half Rodgers was on point. He was avoiding sacks. He was going to the right spot. He was just ridiculous throws to get uh, to pass catchers you've never heard of and that's where the game was lost so i put a lot of this loss on dak prescott as as much as people don't want to be critical of dak prescott he he had a great game in terms of statistics but those four drives interception sack takes him out of field goal range interception sack they come away with zero points and drives that were promising that's where this game was lost and that's on the quarterback so yeah i think the offense philosophically the offense was fine but the quarterback, you've got to finish those drives with touchdowns. You just have to finish those drives with touchdowns, period. So what, what do we do about this team moving forward, Ari? What do, we, uh, what, what do we have coming up here? The Jets on Sunday, which is great news. Um, and and <laughs> even better news is they're 3-2. and two. They're still tied for the division lead. I still think, obviously, the Redskins, are they're not in the picture. They're 0-5, and they just fired their coach. And the Giants are looking better, but then they, they get smoked by the Vikings and they have the Patriots on Thursday. So, I mean, this is as we expected. And they likely are, they likely have the Patriots without Evan Engram and they'll have the Patriots without Sterling Shepard. They don't have Saquon Barkley. Right. Uh, they're a mess. They're a mess. So, I mean, this is as we expected, Eagles and Cowboys. And so the good news is Cowboys and Eagles are tied three and two atop the division with two games left for the Cowboys against the Eagles. And the first one is next Sunday at AT&T Stadium on Sunday Night Football. So th- how good this team is, that remains to be seen. And look, the truth is you don't. we don't need to see this team play at its peak right now. We just need to see, I think, more cons- more consistency on offense. And, and we need to see them finish drives. But Jets this week and then the Eagles the following week. And if you win those two games, you're still in as good a position as you were before. Yeah, and you know that's the other thing. We football because it's 16 games. There's always the sky is falling mentality, or you know we're the greatest thing in the world, and uh, this is not the best stretch for the Cowboys. But I do think there's something to the whole idea that you know in, in years past when the Patriots have won the Super Bowl, we've tried to write them off, and I think you learn early so that you win late. And uh, I you know I hope that that's the case with this Cowboys team because I think we look at the roster and there's so much talent on this roster. It's definitely uh, the type of roster that can, uh, you know, do the things we've talked about. And my opinion on that hasn't changed. Uh, but there are things that have to get better. I'm curious to see, you know, maybe it, it, it makes no difference because the Jets are so underwhelming offensively. Uh, but Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know, the Packers just struggled with kind of a, a you know, a, a dual threat attack from Aaron Jones as a runner and as a pass catcher. Well, you know, we know that the Jets are going to force feed Le'Veon Bell the ball because, A, you know, he's really good and why not? But B, they really don't have much else in the way of options. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see how the, the Cowboys do there. I, but yeah, you know, the real test is going to be the Eagles, uh, because this is a Cowboys team that's going to have to finish plays defensively. And Carson Wentz, uh, one of his strengths is making it tough on defenses and defensive fronts to finish plays. And, uh, I I just I, I don't know what to make of this defense, Ari, because these are the same guys for the most part, not not totally. Uh, you know, I think Robert Quinn has alleviated some of the the pressure and the lack of performance from Demarcus Lawrence, but 
this is a this is a defense that is just blah. You know, I don't I don't know how else to say it. They're just right. kind of blah. And that you know, we talked about at the beginning of the year. What's the part of this team that everyone has talked about being such a lock to be great that right. that couldn't be? Great point. And and one of the things that I, I brought up was the linebackers because you had one year from Leighton Vanderesh and you had one year from Jalen Smith, and there were a lot of medical reasons why. Uh, you know, you, you'd wonder about the, the longevity of Jalen Smith and, and, you know, the sustainability. And, uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm curious about, like with Demarcus Lawrence, we know he's a really good player and maybe the shoulder thing is, uh, you know, has, has hurt him. Maybe he's just gone off to a slow start and he's about to turn things on. I don't know. But with Leighton Vanderesh, and, and I think LV is really good. We've, we've seen flashes of that this year, but, uh, maybe with Jalen not being as good, it's hurt. It's hurt Leighton. I, you know, I don't know, but those two together as a unit and individually have not been as good this year as they were last year. And I think that's hurting the, uh, the Cowboys, especially with the way the games evolved. Uh, yeah. you know, that mid, that second level has become incredibly important yep. with the way that guys are working out of the slot and the things that linebackers are now forced to do. No, I agree. And look, I, 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 Leighton Van Der Esch has been better overall than Jalen Smith, but I think at times they've both been ma- major questions, and it's been a f- it's been a departure from what we saw the dominance of them last season. And I mean, sure, some of it's attributable to Antoine Woods, right? You don't have Antoine Woods, and he's big, the human log. But I, I also think like this is what this is what happens in the NFL. You lose players, and and the Cowboys yeah. were flush with depth going into the season, at least we thought so. It's just not a viable excuse in 2019 to the NFL unless you lose your quarterback. Period. You just have to be able to overcome injuries. Yeah. The Packers Especially have Antoine Woods. Right. With all, right. With, all, with all due respect to Antoine Woods, if the story of this team is right. uh, <laughs> the Cowboys lost Antoine Woods and their season went to crap because of it, then right. this team wasn't good to begin with. Right. Oh, you're 100% correct. Look, and I, I, you know, I, I think you really need to stress the point of it's still five weeks in, and even though it feels like the sky is falling, like there are there are a lot of things to be optimistic about. Now, at the same time, there are things to be pessimistic about, and and you can sort of see, like I could see this thing going. You can make a good case that the Cowboys are still Super Bowl contenders, and you can make a good case that the Cowboys are not going to make the playoffs this year based on what we've seen sure. through five games. And that, more than anything else, is sort of my prevailing thought after five weeks. Is I don't really know what to expect from this team. We asked Brad Sham on the post game show, like. What do you know about this team after five weeks? And he said, the one thing I know is this team doesn't quit, right? Well, that's, but that's Jason Garrett. Like that's, that's, that's not specific to this team. That's been specific to the Jason Garrett Cowboys really since he's been that coach. They don't quit. They don't quit. Hey, but can I say something about that? And I love that. And that, that's great. And, and that's right. Uh, I, I, to me that, that falls in the bucket of these guys shouldn't quit. It's their job. Right. I mean, like that's right. I don't know, and, and and when you say that teams don't quit, usually you're talking about teams that aren't winning as much as you'd want. Uh, we say that a lot, you know, we've said it a lot over the last few years with the Rangers. They haven't won as much as we want, and a lot of times they're talking about how they scored five runs over the last three innings, but they had fallen behind eight to one, so they made it a game. But it's like you, like what you said, when you go fall down thirty-one-three, uh, you're not winning those games often. So to me, some of those points are great, and and they help maybe change the narrative a little bit. Obviously, the the, the final score was it. 34, 24, whatever it was, yep. is, you know, different than 31, 3. But to me, it, to some degree, you're, you're, uh, you're fishing there. And, and I, right. I listen, I respect and appreciate Brad. He, he's done this for 40 years longer than I've been alive. He's one of the greats. Uh, and we're lucky to have him. And I'm not, this is not a shot at Brad. I just, 
to me, it's kind of like teams that you, you shouldn't get brownie points. It's like trying hard. Right. Like right. you shouldn't get brownie points for trying hard. And and when you say a team, uh, you sh- you know they they don't quit. It's not like this team's had comeback wins. You know, if, if they were three and two with three comeback wins, mm. then you know maybe that narrative applies more. But to say they they don't quit because in one game when down thirty one to three they made it respectable at home against a shorthanded opponent, that doesn't do anything for me. Mm. Well said, and and I, I didn't exactly say it that way, but I think like if that's the thing that we know about this team after five weeks, I mean that's that's not great. That's not yeah. great. And, and I guess, again, it could go kind of both ways. Either it could be, okay, but it just scratch the surface of its potential and just wait, 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 wait to see what happens if this team starts playing to its potential or vice versa, which is, look, if we don't know what this team is after five weeks, then I think we kind of know that this team isn't as good as we think it is. Yep. And, you know, look, I, I, I've said before, I think Dak Prescott is the guy. I think he's, he's raised his ceiling so far this season in terms of what he can be. But it's hard not to rethink that after the last two games and maybe more specifically this last game because you could put the, the Saints game on the turnovers that were not caused by Dak Prescott, but it's, it's, and, and even so you could explain away the first turnover and say that's Amari Cooper dropping the football, but that's been Cooper's thing. And so if Cooper's, you know, if Cooper's, if there's the good with the 226 yards, what he's able to do after he catches the football, like you have to take the good with the bad. And if you're Dak Prescott, you just can't, Take those sacks, have those turnovers in the middle of the game when they get, when it's hanging in the balance and they've had slow right. starts. And this all, you know, this offense is only going to go as far, obviously, as their quarterback takes them. And, and again, yep. I don't, I don't want to continually vacillate on Dak, but I think that's, that's where we are. This is a big year for him. They're finally playing within a scheme that fits him. There's playmakers all around. Like, this is it. Now go, now go perform at the highest level. And, and through five weeks, I, I, I think we could say, he looked really good. He looked MVP caliber after three weeks, and he's back to being a major question mark after five weeks. Okay, so now let me ask you this. Who is the one guy, and, and maybe your answer is Dak, um, who is the one guy on this team that needs to step up? And the reality is it's not just a one-man show, but who's the guy more than any other that you need to see an elevation in his production? That's a great question. Um, so I, the obvious answer is Dak. The less ob- obvious answer is Michael Gallup because Gallup, if he starts to roll, then this offense has another level it can get to. But the third is Blake Jarwin, and and that's weird because like, I, I think we need to see Jarwin for more snaps. And and I know that's that's been something that's been kind of common in terms of how we discuss Witten and his return and Witten's a legend and blah, 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 blah. He just has such a higher ceiling offensively that they're wasting possessions without getting him opportunities to touch the football because he's such a mismatch over the middle. So I, I totally agree. There was that throw they, they made to Witten up the seam and Dak overthrew Witten, but to some degree it's like Witten's incredibly slow. So, right. Um, right. you know, I, a tomato, tomato there. But, uh, uh, yeah, I agree. I think, listen, and, and when you want someone to run between five and ten yards and turn around or turn left and turn right, 
Witten's still your guy on that. But if you want to add that extra element, you want to add some athleticism from the tight end spot. I mean, no one's mistaking Blake Jarwin with Travis Kelsey by any means. But I think if you look at some of these really good offenses, they're able to utilize the tight end as an actual threat. Yes. And, and by threat, I mean someone who you look at and say, well, that guy can make a big play on me. No one looks at Jason Witten and says, well, that guy can make a big play on me. They look at Jason Witten and say, oh, you know, he might get seven yards, whatever. And and Witten kind of falls into the, the category of, well, we'll dare you to dink and dunk our, you know, your way down the field. Uh, I know Witten had that one big catch, I think, against Miami or whatever, but that, that's more breakdown in coverage. Blake Jarwin can make something happen, so I agree with you on that. The guy, I'll go over to the defensive side, and I think you could take your pick. You know, maybe you want to say Jalen Smith needs to be better. Uh, you know, you could say, you, you know, pick a member of the secondary, just want to see them make plays, whoever it might be. Um, I think I'm going to go with Tank. I just, you know, we, we talked about Tank as like a game-changing defensive lineman, and we have, you know, the Cowboys have Robert Quinn now, and, you know, he's making an impact. If you now add Tank back to that equation, mm. uh, that could mask some of the challenges that this team has experienced defensively. Yeah. And I want to get back to seeing Tank give you that 10 to 11 sack type of production the rest of the way. He doesn't have to get 10 to 11 sacks the rest of the way, but, you know, if he can get seven, eight sacks the rest of the way, which is incredibly doable. Uh, and, you know, constantly apply pressure to where teams have to pick their poison. Do you want to double tank or do you want to double Robert Quinn? You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and then you also, another thing you do from that is, uh, you know, you, like for instance, look what the Cowboys did. They, they didn't send Zeke out, uh, you know, in, in those obvious passing situations because they needed help protecting Dak. Yeah. And you then neutralize really good pass catching running backs to some degree. Now it's not like if you were to play the Saints again, Alvin Kamara would never run routes and they would constantly leave him in as a blocker. That's not going to happen, but you do make it a little more difficult, uh, and you don't allow those guys to run as freely. And that's been an area the Cowboys have struggled in. So that could help neutralize things. So I go with Demarcus, uh, you know, from that standpoint. Did you, um, did you hear Jerry on with Sean and RJ this morning? I didn't. Uh, I saw some stuff on Twitter, but I was uh, unable to to listen to that conversation. So you're you went to USC. You're pretty I smart. Did. You're you you know math fairly well. I do. I think. Yeah. So we'll find out. There's how many games in an NFL season? Well, last I checked, sixteen. Although Jerry probably wants eighteen. <laughs> A quarter of the season would then be. That would be four point oh six seven. Or just four, I'm four, sorry. Four, yeah, I think it, it's so, uh, Jerry was asked about sort of how he would view, how does he view this team? And his answer was that he would, uh, he'd like to present a firmer answer on what his team is after the first quarter of the season. Interesting. We've played maybe, how many games? Maybe he's looking at it and saying, well, we're not going to win the division, so we're going to play in the wild card game, so that's 17, and then 18, <laughs> 19, 20, uh, Super Bowl, that would still be the first quarter. That would, we would be right at the quarter mark. So, uh, <laughs> man, I was trying to like help Jerry out there, but I don't know, uh, yeah, I don't unless know. there's some hidden games that I don't know about. Right. That's what I was trying to think. I was like, I'm not good at math, so I don't want to embarrass myself, but I think, I think they've already played a quarter of the season. Yeah. Interesting. But it's an interesting uh, non-answer because kind of what we had talked about, right? We don't really know <laughs> how to classify this team. Yeah. And that, if Jerry's being truthful, that would have been his answer, but he's not. And so he didn't think of anything better to say. So he figured he'd say something that's factually inaccurate. Stall tactics. This yeah. is the second week now we've heard on Sean and RJ math be questioned 
by Jason Garrett or Jerry Jones? Well, uh, let's, uh, I, you know, Sean or RJ, uh, think to it. They should, they should lead next week with a math question just to, just to make sure those guys are ready to roll and that we establish a baseline that they are capable of getting basic math questions right. And, and just, just so we can be clear here, I know, um, we're, we're up against it towards the end of this podcast, but let me just say that it, as we recorded this podcast, Sam Darnold has been cleared to play week six against the Dallas Cowboys. Well, there you go. I, even when he was healthy, it was a very underwhelmingly, uh, under, underwhelming Jets right. offense. This is a team that I thought, I mean, you talk about big misses. This was a team that I thought had a shot at a wild card and, uh, I don't even know if they're going to win a quarter of the games they play. Uh, so I don't know how much of an impact that will make, but obviously Sam Darnold is better than Luke Fox. So, but I, I want that. I, I kind of want to see right. that. I, I'd Agreed. like, I, I think it's a winnable game and I think, I still think it's a very winnable game with Sam Darnold. Or I, I, let me rephrase. I think it's a game that the Cowboys should absolutely unequivocally win with Sam Darnold. I'd rather see the better quarterback in that sense play. Yes. Uh, you know, would you, you take wins when you can get them. And so if Luke Falk played, it gives the Cowboys a better chance. So maybe I'm going to, uh, eat my words here, but I kind of want to see the Cowboys against Sam Darnold rather than Luke Falk. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you said you're not sure that the Jets are going to win a quarter of the games they play. Is that, is that four? Well, yeah, no, I was definitely making a Jerry reference here. I, okay. I think so, but because if you know, I'm I'm going to leave that open for interpretation. So if they end up winning more than four, well, I'll say, well, I'm, I'm basing it off of Jerry's math. <laughs> All right, this is Star Chat. Of course, make sure to follow us on Twitter at re sports, ri sports, and Jared Sandler. Um, of course, listen to 105.3 The Fan, the pregame show for Cowboys and Jets is at 12.30, 12.30 on Sunday. Say with confidence. Yes, 12.30 on Sunday with the kickoff set for 3.25 from MetLife Stadium. So, of course, make sure to follow that on 105.3 The Fan. But for now, we out. Peace. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app.